as Steve mentioned, my name is Simon Chandler. Uh, I work for a company called Created, um, and we are an additive uh, manufacturing solutions provider based in the UK. Um, as Steve kind of touched on, you're joining us today for a presentation on the capabilities and the uses um, of a particular type of metal 3D printer, um, namely the, the Metalex, uh, which is from a, a US-based manufacturer called Markforged. So Markforged actually manufactured two different types of 3D printers. Um, they offer six different 3D printers, which are, are FDM uh, style machines. Um, basically printing in, in a plastic that's reinforced with a continuous strand of fibre, um, whether that's fiberglass, Kevlar or carbon fibre. Uh, and they also manufacture the Metalex, which is obviously what we're discussing today. Um, for most of you, I, I hope you'll have seen the previous presentation by um, Colonel Dan Anders Brown. Um, and basically this is the, the metal uh, printer that he was, uh, he was speaking about. So, as I mentioned, my name is Simon Chandler. Uh, I'm the Managing Director of Created. Uh, on this call, I also have my colleague Matthew McDonald joining me. Um, Matthew's our technical trainer, so he has responsibility for uh, all the projects covering installation, commissioning, uh, training and ongoing support for these particular types of metal 3D printers. Um, he's basically here to help me with any in-depth technical questions that you may throw at me at the end. Uh, very brief agenda. Uh, I'll do a quick intro to Created so you know why we're actually talking to you. Uh, then we'll give you an overview of the printer and how it works, plus some background on all the available metals and some of their particular use cases. Uh, finally, we'll give some real life examples of how these machines are actually being used today, the kinds of capabilities that they offer. Um, and then at the end, we'll leave some time for a Q&A. Um, as Steve mentioned, you can submit questions anytime. So, uh, Created started back in 2013, um, really with the intention of, of helping people to build a roadmap for integrating additive manufacturing into their organisations. Um, the reasons why most organisations would want to, to do this is basically to realise a, a range of different benefits, but mainly cost savings and efficiency improvements. Uh, we provide an end-to-end -end service for our customers. So we work with you to understand what challenges you're facing or what targets you're trying to achieve. Um, and then we are identify which particular AM technologies or, or methods are most appropriate for your particular applications. Uh, the reason we describe it as an end-to-end -end service is that we provide consultancy, but we also then supply the hardware um, and services like commissioning, training, uh, integration of systems through to ongoing technical support, on-site maintenance, um, supply of consumables, spare parts, repairs, all that kind of stuff. Really, we work with the ethos of, of forming long-term relationships uh, with our customers. So our goal is to provide a solution which the customer is happy with on day one, um, but also something that they actually see long-term benefit from. Uh, we work with a variety of different 3D printer manufacturers. Uh, basically meaning that we're independent and we're impartial. Uh, our range of, of AM technologies covers everything from uh, little desktop prototyping devices uh, like Ultimakers or MakerBots for a, a couple of thousand pounds through to things like large format FDM machines, um, high speed resin printers. Um, so they're capable of printing up to 10 millimeters a minute 
Uh, we also do the continuous fiber comp composites uh, that I mentioned before and that um, I'm sure some of you actually uh, are used to and are using today, uh, which is the Mark IV Jonics FDM printers. And then at the top end, we've got the, the metal 3D printers, which we're discussing. So our client base are organizations that are involved in engineering and manufacturing, uh, whether that be from aerospace and defense, automotive, rail, uh, energy, all the way through to universities and research institutes. The, the one thing that all of our customers have in common is that they want to unlock efficiencies um, or cost savings through uh, using additive manufacturing. So to talk about the, uh, the specific method of, of uh, printing that, that the Mark Forge Metalex utilizes, um, the process itself actually leverages two existing technologies. Uh, the, the first one is an FDM style 3D printer. Uh, and then also the, the process uh, behind it is actually from uh, the metal injection molding or MIM uh, process. So both these technologies are proven um, and really the, 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 the clever bit has been combining these two technologies, but also building the software that sits behind them um, and it guides you through the processes and ensures that the print actually comes out as designed through the different um, aspects of this. Uh, the combination of these two technologies has, has created a, a metal printing process, which is lower cost um, and also more accessible than previously available types of metal printers. So the, the key thing really is it doesn't have any loose metal powder. Um, so it doesn't require the use of, of you know, full body suits or breathing apparatus, masks, anything like that. Um, meaning the environments it can work in are, are much wider and much more varied. Mark Forge actually coined uh, the term atomic diffusion additive manufacturing, uh, or ADAM for short. Um, and as I mentioned, it's a four-step process. So it starts with your CAD. Uh, you design the part and upload it to the Mark Forge software. Uh, the part is then printed using a filament which contains metal powder. Once printed, the parts then go through a washing step and the fourth stage is the part is then sintered into their final metal form. Um, and that brings a, a piece that's up to 99.7% dense and, and ready for use. So to go through in a bit more detail, stage one is the digital part preparation. Uh, wherever you source your digital design from, uh, it needs to be an STL format. The MarkForge software that you use is called Iger. Um, it's mainly an online system and is accessed through uh, the Google Chrome browser, but it also has an offline version too um, if uh, data security requires it. If you're using the online version, uh, Iger can link to any MarkForge printer which you pair with it, um, meaning that the Iger user and the printer do not need to be in the same location. Um, I've been over in Holland and I've run prints in our shop in Reading. Um, so the, the printer operator and the software user don't need to be even the same person um, and they don't need to be in the same geographical location. Uh, in terms of what the software does, you import your STL into IGA, you then run through a process of choosing your material, setting orientation, choosing quality settings, infill percentages, all that stuff. Uh, then you can either print a part straight away if you have a printer available or you can queue that part for a specific printer if it's busy. 
you can also nest multiple parts into a single build um, and queue that build in the same way. With metal printing in particular, one of the main jobs that IGA does uh, is it actually scales up your design by somewhere between 17 and 20%, um, meaning that the print that you actually create is larger than the final part will be. Um, and this allows for the shrinkage that goes on later on in the sintering process. Um, that scale up process is done automatically by the software. For me, one of the key features of, of IGA um, above other slicing engines is that it also acts as a digital file repository. So you can configure IGA so different users have different access levels um, and different permissions, and you can actually store digital designs in the library, meaning that any user who may need to print that part has access to it. With some of the things that, that they may be printing, um, these, these prints obviously would need to go through some form of, of testing and verification process. Um, so to aid with the standardization of prints across multiple locations, you can actually store these verified and compliant designs um, within IGA. And of course, then the user can just send that straight to the printer. So stage two is the printing process itself. Uh, as we spoke about, the printing process is modeled on an FDM style printer. Uh, it's a two nozzle machine. The first nozzle prints the metal filament. Um, it heats the filament up and extrudes it through a hot nozzle, laying it down layer upon layer, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with as a process. Uh, one of the benefits this method provides over other forms of, of metal part production uh, is that we actually have the option to honeycomb the interior of the print. Um, so that obviously leads to, to faster print times and less material usage. Uh, but also, of course, prints that retain a, a high degree of strength, but at a much lower weight. The metal filament that we use in, in the printer it, uh, is actually made up of three elements. So there's the metal powder, uh, secondly, a, a binder material, which keeps the metal powder in a safe state, uh, and then also a wax material. So for the printing process through the... Um, the printer's second nozzle. Unknown participant is now joining. The printer actually uh, prints a filament of ceramic material, uh, which it uses to put an interface layer uh, or, or basically a barrier between the print and any excess material like a, a raft or support material. So as you can see in the picture, um, this object actually has an unsupported overhang. So the software has automatically created a section of support material, which is printed in, in the same metal filament and then the printer has laid the ceramic material on top of that um, between the supports and the print itself. So when the print goes through the sintering process the ceramic material actually becomes a powder um, meaning that the support material does its job supporting the object but it isn't able to actually bond to the object so after sintering they're, uh, they're easily separated. Stage three is to wash your print um, so when the print comes off the printer, uh, it's then uh, in what, what's known as a green state. And after washing, it will then be known in a brown state uh, and it will be ready to sinter. Uh, the reason for washing the print is basically to remove the, the wax component from the filament. So the wash station is integrated with the IGA software um, and through a process of weighing the print before and after washing, uh, the software can automatically tell you how much wax has been lost and whether or not the print is ready to be sintered. 
Um, the washing process can take anything up to 12 to 24 hours, depending on how thick your print is. Um, however, you can load multiple prints um, or even different prints of different metals into the wash at the same time. Um, you can add prints whenever you want to. It's an ongoing process, basically meaning that the, the wash is continuously running um, and the IGA software alerts you when you, when you should add or, or remove a, a particular print. Fourth stage is then sintering. So this is where we take our washed part and we burn away the binder material. Uh, so that then leaves only the metal powder and that metal powder then fuses together um, to actually form our metal print. During this sintering process, this is where our object shrinks back to its near net original size um, after the software automatically scaled it up for us at the beginning of the process. There's two sizes of sintering oven uh, available. Um, the larger version has, has actually just been released and, and so is available recently. Um, the sintering oven runs a, a mix of argon and forming gases, uh, basically to create an inert environment for the actual sintering process. Uh, a sintering run can last anything from about six hours up to 24 hours, uh, depending on the sintering oven that you've got and, and the metal that you're sintering. Uh, and of course, you can nest multiple prints into a single sintering oven run. Um, as long as they're all the same metal type. So it means you can obviously process a whole batch of prints in a single sinter run. Once the sinter's completed its run uh, and it's cooled, then the, uh, the parts can be removed and they're immediately ready for use. So one of the great features of the Metal X is that it actually has the ability to print in, in uh, a variety of different materials. So that obviously gives you a variety of outputs for different jobs. Uh, a big advantage over other types of, of metal 3D printers is that you can switch between different materials in a few minutes um, and there's no need for any kind of safety gear or anything like that. There's currently six metals available to print on the Metalex, uh, with more in development. So first one is 17.4pH uh, stainless steel. Uh, this is a hard, stiff and obviously corrosion resistant uh, stainless material. It's the most general purpose metal on the Metalex. Um, so really it's used for, for low volume production uh, of functional prototypes, uh, but also end use parts as well. H13 is the first of three available tool steels. Um, H13 tool steel works excellently in higher temperature environments, um, and it can also withstand dramatic cooling. Uh, it also shows good abrasion resistance. Uh, it can be machined, uh, basically making it ideal for, for high temperature tooling and also wear resistant pieces. A2 tool steel uh, is the most versatile of the three different tool steels available. It's an air hardening tool steel, often regarded as a, as a universal cold work steel. So it offers a, a combination of good wear resistance, but also toughness. And the final of our three tool steels is D2. D2 tool steel gives excellent wear resistance. So it's widely used in, in things like cold work applications that require high compressive uh, strength, sharp edges and abrasion resistance. So examples would be uh, things like sheet metal fabrication, punches and dies, or um, actually shearing tools as well. Inconel 625 is a nickel chromium based super alloy. 
uh, and this is this is suited to harsh environments. So it's highly resistant to corrosion. Um, it's also resistant to high temperatures, um, roughly around a thousand degrees temperature resistance. So it's used in harsh environments like marine uh, or where it needs to be exposed to chemicals. Uh, it's also due to its high heat resistance, it can obviously be used in places like turbines, engines, exhausts, places like that. The most recently released metal is copper. Um, copper is the most different, I would say, to the other five um, metals. Uh, it's also my favourite, uh, as it gives a completely different capability to the, to the other five that we've just mentioned. So copper is obviously um, both thermally and electrically conductive, meaning it's great for things like custom heat sinks or heat exchangers, uh, but also things like welding shanks, bus bars, electrical connectors. You know, as, as copper is quite... Uh, a difficult material to work with normally, being able to 3D print it actually gives us an advantage over traditional fabrication methods because quite often we're actually able to create parts that are much more efficient than existing components. So copper is quite an interesting one. It's also worth noting, um, so this isn't necessarily a material in it in of itself, but really we we work with customers um, and, and we kind of advise them that the Metal X is, is just one element of a, a suite of 3D printers that, that you should have, each one creating different prints for different purposes. So in this example, um, a handle has been printed using an FDM printer for just a fast, low-cost component. Uh, and then the metal printer was used for the critical component and inserted as a push fit. Um, in this instance, you can see that we've actually paused the print uh, halfway through, embedded the metal component, and then actually we're going to continue the print. Um, and that will mean that, that, that it's embedded within it. Now, that's one option. Um, the other option is just to have a standard push fit, um, which, you know, we, we had a particular discussion where um, we had the potential for printing a, a whole set of hand tools whereby you print a single handle. Um, and then have multiple printed heads for that handle. So obviously you're going to save a huge amount of space and, and weight during transportation, for example. Okay. Um, up until recently, if you wanted to print something in metal, uh, you really needed to use a, a, a powder metal printer. So these powder metal um, printers, I would, I would probably describe in general is more of a like a scientific instrument so they're a bit more costly to buy um, and to run they need quite specific conditions and, and quite a high level of skill to operate um, but they're able to generate highly accurate you know highly complex prints converse to that i would describe the the metal x as more of a general purpose engineering tool so you still need to know what you're doing to get a good quality print from it, but it has a much wider operating window um, and it can generate a much wider range of outputs for different purposes than a, a powder printer can. So, you know, like any tool, um, it's not great for everything. Uh, so we've put together a little list here of what it's not good at. The two I would, I would quickly highlight are, are things like complex geometries or, or worst of all for this, internal chambers. Um, as we showed before, because the printer uses metal for its support material, 
uh, it would basically be impossible to retrieve metal support material from an internal chamber. So uh, having said that, here's a list of what it is good at. Um, the bullet points here really list some, some general use cases, which we see across a variety of industries. Uh, as we mentioned before, using stainless steel to create components or small batches is the most commonly used function. But more and more, we see people using tool steels to create uh, tooling to make their current production methods more efficient um, or for simple things like jigs and fixturing. Uh, for me, one of the ones which stands out when we're talking about the military is the ability to, to recreate legacy parts for repairs and maintenance. Um, we work with the, the rail industry who sometimes have rolling stock, which is you know, 20 or 30 years old. But from talking to people in the military, they could have some equipment which might be 40, 50 um, years old, even older. You know, so the ability to re repair and, and maintain this equipment, um, but also to you know, potentially to actually improve and enhance the equipment as well, all at a very low cost, obviously brings a lot of benefits in operational efficiency. But it could also unlock big cost savings as you may not actually need to replace something which which may only have one or two broken components which are no longer made or or would be prohibitively expensive to source through traditional channels. Um, I think the other use case which has come out recently is is the ability to print a, a component or a batch of components to augment the current supply chain uh, when something is needed urgently. So this particular component that you print, it may not actually be as good as the existing component in some cases, but if it can be manufactured and in use in, in two or three days, then it may allow an operation to continue whilst the, the existing component is, is manufactured or, or, or sourced elsewhere. Uh, as Mark Forge is a US-based company, they've done a, a lot of work with the US military, as you can imagine, and whilst a lot of what they're doing can't be shared. Um, we do have some information which we can talk about. Um, there's probably some people on this call uh, that have a lot more knowledge uh, on this than we do, but I think there's some interesting use cases here. Um, so the first thing is the US Marines have around 50 Mark Forge printers currently, most of which are the FDM composite printers, uh, but also some Metalex 3D printers. Um, they've actually told us that the the marines expeditionary third maintenance battalion uh, apparently recently became the, the world's first forward deployed combat unit with a functional metal 3d printer um, which is quite interesting uh, they've also been working with mark forge to create what you can see in the picture there uh, which is actually a, a field edition of the composite fdm printer um, so you can see it comes in a ruggedized case that case also acts as a workbench um, and it contains all the consumables, et cetera. Unknown participant is now exiting. So one of the main areas that's been highlighted uh, has been on the benefits of having a, a shared digital inventory. You can obviously see the quote on the slide here. Um, there's obviously the ability to access designs through the IGA software, uh, but equally an engineer can be deployed with a, a huge parts catalog just simply stored on a, on a USB drive which I think is really powerful. The main uses they've found for this are for the replacement components, which may take a, a vehicle or equipment out of use. Uh, often these components are known to fail. Um, so now they can actually travel with reduced spares and print on demand. So maximizing platform uptime. What are they actually printing? Uh, obviously they won't share everything with us, but um, 
here's a few examples. Uh, I think for me, the, the tamper-proof idea was a, a very interesting one for us. It's not something we'd considered before, but of course you can manufacture tooling specifically for that application. Um, as you can see, it's actually quite a, quite a wide range of things. Um, everything from shaped charges to pelican, lace latches, uh, pelican case latches. And I guess the key thing, why are they adopting additive manufacturing so heavily? Um, really, I think in its current form, AM doesn't replace the supply chain, but it does augment it. Um, it's a, quite a nice quote from someone there where they're calling it digital duct tape. I think it's a good way of describing it. Um, one of the big pitfalls is, is probably taking a piecemeal approach to adoption where different sections adopt different types of printers or different brands of printers. Um, and whilst it does serve some purpose, it does mean that you cannot effectively share the standardized designs. Um, you're not gonna be able to ensure that the prints will have standardized performance either. You know, an ABS print is not gonna behave in the same way that a, a fiber reinforced composite print will, um, will behave. Uh, another interesting factor is productivity. So, um, after, after tracking usage for a while, uh, which you can do using the IGA software, it, it um, actually allows you to monitor productivity. Uh, they found one particular user who worked in a, in a print farm, uh, multiple printers in, in one location, uh, and that user in the last 12 months had actually had over seven years of print time associated to her, um, basically meaning that a single operator can easily run more than half a dozen different machines at once. From our perspective, um, really 3D printing has been quite overhyped for a number of years. Um, but I think these ex are examples of, of really how the technology has actually matured to the point where you can actually realize tangible real world benefits. Um, and I think you know, the US military and also uh, a lot of the work that we're doing uh, in the UK here is actually starting to show some of these, these uh, actual tangible applications. So um, the main reason for this presentation was obviously to give you an overview of what the, uh, the Markforge Metalex can do, um, really in order to help you identify areas where it may be used, um, but equally created, provide a, a range of different 3D printers for different jobs. So we're keen to learn more about what challenges people are facing and what um, AM may, may, you know, where AM may help to solve them. So I appreciate your time, everyone. Um, if you want to contact us directly, my details are on the screen. I'm happy to discuss any projects or answer any questions. Uh, but otherwise, over to uh, to the Q and A.